0: Send us a voice note at speakpipe.com slash hormonal, and we'll get it answered on the show.
1: You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a podcast for women who are chasing epic and everyday adventures on their bikes. We are a production of Live Feisty Media and hosted by Christy Moan and Catherine Taylor.
2: Hey, Catherine. What was that little head thing that you had going on there? You no, know, it's just it's the end of the day. It was a good, it was a good day, productive day, busy day, great conversations with other gravel women. That's awesome. It's good stuff. Uh, yeah, there, it was a
1: big day for Lifetime today. I saw that. Uh, oh, yeah, the little announcement, little announcement, Lifetime about sea otter. Yes, yep,
2: it's the newest event in our growing gravel off-road portfolio. And has that, that event,
1: because it usually happens in the spring, but has, it hasn't mm-hmm. happened this year, right? Because of Correct. COVID. So it'll be
2: this fall. It's in the fall this year, but then it'll go back to the spring. So that's pretty exciting. I think so. I, I love that they're going to, you know, keeping on that staff and going to give that team extra help and should be good. Should be good. Excuse me.
1: Now, see, if I'm remembering correctly, Sea Otter has kind of like every kind of event you could possibly. Yeah, it's like a, a big bike. expo
2: and they have all kinds of stuff there. So there's yeah. a
1: gravel event and like a mountain bike event, mm-hmm. and
2: a road event. Yep.
1: Guys, we could all have bike love at Sea Otter in 2022. Sea
2: Otter 2022. Girls Gone Gravel Road Trip. I'm declaring it right now. Let's <laughs> do it. I know there's
1: people keep messaging me about new events. Like they're like, hey, we have this new event. I'm like, i want to go to that one. I want to go to that one. I could I'm just sure. go to gravel events. Yeah. Every weekend. If this, if this keeps up, I don't, it happens. I don't so think that. I see will go for that. I've got <laughs> other jobs I'm supposed <laughs> to be doing there. So what's new anything? Um, well, we, uh, my car is in the shop. I'm having a yeah. little car drama. <laughs> if you see me at steamboat, I might be still having a little car drama. Um, but so I have not been able to, cause I have a rental and my brother is the only one that has a car that we are allowed to put bikes in, but he's working 16 hour shifts at the hospital right now. Um, and he's a little grumpy. So I've been riding the Peloton more <laughs> and, but we went hiking um, he was off on Sunday. So we all went up to Mount Rainier hiking.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So we are driving up to this Lake Moach, Moach, Moach. If you're from around here, you probably know it. And we get on it and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a gravel road. Like basically the whole way up to the lake is gravel road. And I'm discovering all these gravel roads around Mount Rainier. So I feel like there's going to be some fall activity on the mountain.
2: Nice.
1: So, yeah. And I'm pretty excited about it because it's a pretty majestic place. Nice. So
2: glad you're, you're liking
1: where you live. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I've really appreciated, there's been several women from the community that have reached out and like offered to go riding and stuff. So I really appreciate that. <laughs> Fortunately, I haven't had a car that I can put my bike in. So I've been able to, but, um, one day soon, I will. Nice. What have you been
2: up to? Um, we went to the, um, Auschwitz, um, Holocaust exhibit at union station yesterday. So if you get a chance to go to that exhibit, um, you should go. It's pretty yeah. powerful. I bet so. Yeah.
0: Is yep. it a traveling
2: exhibit? Um, I don't know. I was trying to figure that out. Uh, I I know they had it in New York, and then it's here in Kansas City, or it's up, up in Kansas City at Union Station, and you know, outside Union Station, there's actually one of the boxcars that they transported um, the prisoners from, you know, the, to, to these, you know, concentration camps and stuff. Pretty moving, pretty awful. Um, but I'm really, really glad I went, um, just, you know, the stark reminder of, you know, the show is called not long ago, not far away. And you really start realizing it, you know, we were, I was looking at one picture of a, one of the Nazi officers, with his family of five and, you know, they were all happy and joyous in this garden. And the, the picture was taken in 1943 and on the woman's lap was her, her son that was, you know, born in 1943, which is the same year as my parents births. And it just brings it home like, holy crap, like that is not that far away that we treated people like that. And it's the, the exhibit's really great not to go into too much of it, but it really gives you the history of how they got, how we got there. And then takes you through all of the the horrid, awful murders that happened, um, you know, during the war. But um, it was worth going. And I do, you know, I think it's I'd go if you get a chance. It's worth it. It's it's it was a recorded tour, so it took about it. it you could go through it as quickly as two and a half hours or so, but I spent probably about three hours in there. Wow, there was just some exhibits that I really needed to stand in front of and absorb. But yeah, um, you know, it makes what we get to do every day seem like an absolute um, pleasure and an absolute just gift. You know, looking back at some of our history is just pretty wow. Yeah, that sounds pretty powerful. mm -hmm. It was. It was good. Well done. Very well done. But Yeah. So that's what I've been up to. Did that yesterday and then came back to a busy day today and got to talk with our guests today. So
1: I know, I know we, we've been trying to have Crystal Kovacs on for quite a while, <laughs> um, but it was fun to get to talk to her and hear all about uh, her new company that she started to help women get into bike packing, bike
2: packing, which is great.
1: And the stories about her taking her family um on these epic bikepacking trips like um I think my niece would like stuff like that because she like she hiked five miles this weekend yeah that's awesome loved it you know she's five years old so I'm like I'm gonna have to put the bug in my brother's ear I don't think my sister-in-law would sleep on the ground though (laughs) that's okay um so anyway we will get on to our interview with Crystal Kovacs Christy, we have a new sponsor on the podcast. Joe J bars has come on as one of our sponsors. Shut up. Joe J bars are the best. I know we both got to try them after the founder of Joe J bars. Jess Sarah came on the podcast and she sent us a sample box. Uh, Which one was your favorite?
2: uh, My favorite was lemon blueberry quinoa, which I was not expecting. How about you?
1: Uh, Mine was the pancakes and bacon. Which tastes just like pancakes and bacon. It tastes just like pancakes and bacon, and it's great. It's great to use on the bike or if I'm running late or trying to get out the door for a ride, which usually I'm running late and trying to get out the door,
2: uh, (laughs) I just grab it and
1: have breakfast on the way.
2: Yep, they taste good and you know they're good for you too. Jess is a chef and an athlete, and she's not putting anything in her bars that she wouldn't put in her own body.
1: Yeah. So they're all gluten-free. They don't use any artificial flavors or protein powders. It's all uh, formulated just for you for training or riding or just any adventure that you've got going on. And knowing Jess, I bet she sent you a code. She did. So <laughs> listeners of the podcast can, can go to jojbars.com and use the coupon code GRAVELLOVE15. That's all lowercase GRAVELLOVE15 for 15% off all your orders.
2: Nice.
1: I'm going to get some before we Go on our next gravel trip.
2: Agreed. Hey, friends, we don't want chafing to keep you on the sideline from riding your bike. So, we're bringing you some good news about Chamois Butter. Shammy Butter has come on as one of the sponsors of the Girls From Gravel podcast. They've been making chamois cream for over 30 years and they've got tons of five star reviews.
1: So if you have ever been to your bike shop, you've probably seen that iconic purple and yellow tube. There are several different versions, including the original, the pH neutral, her, tingly Euro style, which I'm very intrigued
2: by (laughs) and coconut with certified organic ingredients. They've got a special for our girls gone gravel listeners. You can head over to shammybutter.com and you get free shipping on any orders of two tubes or more. They also have really fun limited edition merch, which I've got their cool chamois Butter sweatshirt. These things, I wear this sweatshirt all the time. It's one of my favorites to wear. It's very soft and very warm. I could say if you get any of their chamois Butter gear, you
1: will definitely stand out in a crowd. When we were at uh, an event a couple of years ago, a guy had a chamois Butter kit on and everybody knew who he was. Like everybody was cheering for him. So if you want to stand out, Go over, get your two tubes of shavy butter, get your free shipping, and then find some cool swag and merch.
2: Yep, I think that sounds like a great idea. Hi, Christy. Hey, how are you?
1: I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I'm I'm excited that we <laughs> finally have today's guest on because we've been um, we've been working <laughs> on this for a while. <laughs> But we went a little delinquent on the podcast. We took a break.
2: We did. We took Um, it. Well, we needed a break. I needed a break. Yeah. Yeah. And we actually tried
1: to get a live interview with her at Unbound, but she was so great. She was out riding, um, with some first time riders. And so we were in the bar by the time she came back. (laughs)
2: I don't, I wasn't, was I just you? You were in the bar with us. Did, right I, st- Did I stop? You, the, okay. I stopped yeah. by for a little bit.
1: Okay. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> but we are super excited to be joined by, oh, Crystal, I forgot to ask how you say your last name. So just Kovacs. tell us your last name. <laughs> Kovacs. Crystal Kovacs. Yes. I you
2: know. I cannot say last names. I, I had I, it. I was ready. I was ready to cover you I there know. on that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've been hanging around Crystal for I don't know, five years now, is probably, somewhere around probably. there. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah.
3: You were one of the first women I met, which is pretty yep. cool. That is God. Five years. I think that's right. I think my first wow. race down there was 2017. Yeah. So that'd be right. let be the fifth year.
2: Awesome. So yeah, I'm glad you're here. Crystal. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> I'm excited. And you're dressed appropriately. People can't see this, but you're in your chamois butter <laughs> gear, which I they're know. one of our new they're, yeah, they're 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 one of our new sponsors for our podcast. So it's like perfect. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Yes. We're very appreciative of chamois butter. Yeah, and everything very that they yeah. do for us. <laughs>
3: very. Yeah. So we were levels. actually
1: we were actually at the chamois butter bar when
2: yes, <laughs> we missed yeah. you. Yeah. We should have just had you come to the bar. Yeah, Jemmy better, um, keeps us all comfortable. Let's just put it that way. So yeah, <laughs> for sure. do. <Thank> wow.
1: <laughs> well, Crystal, tell us a little bit of your backstory. How'd you get into cycling? How'd you get into doing these
3: crazy events? Plus tell, tell us all the things. So probably six years ago now, um, my husband wanted to buy a salsa via, and he told me the price and I said, I don't understand. Um, what's the difference in a $400 bike and a thousand dollar bike and up from there. So he said, I can't explain it to you, but I can take you and show you. So we bought a bike. Um, it wasn't the right bike at the time, but we bought a bike and I found that it was something I could go do with my children who at the time were budding teenagers. Um, not a lot of options of the things they want to do with mom and Nick, but that was something that we could go do. So we ended up buying a fat, a muckluck fat tire bike. Um, and I figured out that I could ride that through anything I could pedal through And we went off-road roads even today scare me, but off-road is a ton of fun. Um, so we take the kids for two weeks every summer to a national forest and we would camp and bike pack out of the camp, spend time with the kids. And even as 18 and 19 year olds, if I ask them, do you want to go somewhere for two weeks with us? Or do you want to go for a weekend to an amusement park? They'll tell us we want to go two weeks with you guys where your phone doesn't work. Um, (laughs) So the first week, everyone's dinking with their phone, trying to figure out how, what they're going to do. But by the end of the two weeks, no one really cares what the outside world does anymore. And life becomes really, really simple. Like you go to bed when the sun goes down, you get up when it gets up. Um, So that's kind of how we got into biking was it was a way for me to revert. When I was a kid, uh, my parents took us for a month every summer, packing on horses back up in the mountains. So it was a way for me to go back to what I had experienced with them. And I didn't realize what a gift that was when I was a teenager, but looking back on it, it was really a way that we got to spend 30 days with mom and dad. And so I wanted to gift that back to our children and cycling was what allowed me to do that. And then how I got into races um, or events, because I don't really race. If I, if I get to the front of the race, there's something really bad is going on at the front of the race that let me get there. Um, I'm a very consistent back of the pack rider, but, We were surfing on the internet and Dirty Kanza Unbound was one of the first races and Land Run, which is now Mid-South, was the two races I saw. Both of them were muddy. The year I saw the pictures from, but I was like, wow, now that looks like fun. And so we just kind of, Mid-South was the first race I'd ever done. First event I'd ever been to. There's pictures of me standing with this holy crap look on my face, but we had fun. We were hooked and
2: the rest of it's kind of history did you, did Nick ride bikes before or he did? Okay. He did. Okay. Yeah. He's
3: road rid, ridden the road since he was young. Um, like he's bike packed from Wisconsin to Georgia when he was in the military. So yes, he spent time on bikes prior to
0: okay.
3: our relationship. So he knew the difference between the $400 bike and the, he did. And I did once I got on it, it's not a foreign concept to me because I come from the horse world and then the horse world, like Every different discipline has a different saddle and
2: mm-hmm. they
3: have different, you know, and I understand the difference in a $400 saddle and a $12,000 saddle. I just had never applied that thought process to a bike, but there is a difference. You should,
1: you must've been like, oh, cycling's actually not that expensive coming from the horse world.
3: I agree with that statement, but on the flip side of it, once you're deeply into it, it is kind of an, ex- <laughs> an expensive venture. Um, yeah. there's just different money spent. But yes, yeah. coming from the horse world, I can haul my bike in my car. I don't have to have a special trailer. and
2: You don't have to yeah. feed it either. No, you don't have to feed your bike.
3: Nope. It sits out in the shed and when it's 20 below zero and it's perfectly content. <laughs> <laughs> I've thought about getting a heater for my bike, but <laughs> I have to, I bring the important one inside, but the rest of them are outside. <laughs> That's funny. Cause you're in
1: Wisconsin,
2: right? So it gets pretty cold I am. in the winter. I am. Yes. And you'll brave even the cold temperatures. I hate my trainer, hate.
3: So I go outside year-round and ride. um, And 45 North has been very supportive. So it's just a gear choice, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you have the right gear, you're comfortable. Is it something I look forward to some days? Not as much, but by the time it's done, I'm like, that was kind of fun. So yeah, I ride outside
2: year-round.
1: People are saying that, but I just am not... (laughs)
2: I'm not believing it. (laughs) Uh,
3: The Trainer and I are not good together.
2: I always, when I go out, it's like what you said. It's not that bad. You get out there and you're like, oh, that was okay. That wasn't that bad. But man, my, the way I can talk myself out of getting dressed for a winter ride is insane. Oh, I, I understand. (laughs) Me too.
3: (laughs) I am more likely to go right outside in the cold than I am in the heat though. In the summer when it's really hot i'm like no, well, i'll go ride in the night at night
2: but not during the day we're opposites with that yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I you like live work me. it's hot <laughs> <laughs> so what was your first bike
3: my first bike was a trek hybrid okay. um, more road orientated than off-road and we took it places like we took it on uh, dirt roads and I quickly figured out that the skinny tires were a bigger balancing game than I could bring in, um, and so I just we went to the bike shop, and there was a muckluck sitting there. I'm like, "Tell me what that bike is for," and he goes, "Oh, that's you know, you can ride it year-round." And once we, I said, "Can I test ride it?" And once I took it out, Christy, I was like, "Oh, this is a no-brainer. Like, I have fun on this. I'm not constantly bouncing off of stuff." So, yeah, it was. I didn't want to ride on the road. I knew I didn't want to ride on the road, but the first time I went into a bike shop, I'd never been in a bike shop before. Mm -hmm. And they asked me questions that me, where do you want to ride? Oh, what kind of bike do you want? I don't know. Like I I truly legitimately had no answers and I didn't even know that that variety of stuff existed. So to me, a bike was a bike and you got on the bike
2: and you went and rode.
3: Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know how to answer their questions. They asked all the right questions. I just didn't know any of the answers.
2: Well, maybe they weren't the right questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I mean yeah. I think it's it's it, it truly I mean honestly a part of it is you've got to get out there and try it and then and then right. learn from that which is right. you know, what you did. Um, right. That, is that a new tattoo? It's it is nice. Is my it's adventure redefine
3: me. It's a bike with the mountain. Oh, cool. So my hashtag is my adventure redefined me, and how true that is.
2: Yeah. Oh, tell us we'll about tell that. Us, yeah. yeah. Sorry. I was like, that was one of my questions. So you can't take that. That's my question. I have, <laughs> you, it, I have it written right You here. didn't
1: even see the tattoo before then. You just saw it.
2: But I knew that I follow Crystal on social and that's her hashtag. Okay. So it I doesn't just matter. Know. Just tell us about the <laughs> tattoo, Crystal. So <laughs>
3: when Nick and I started riding bikes five, six years ago, we probably cumulatively weighed 200 pounds more than we weigh today um as a combined unit and we got to where we are today through cycling cycling has completely changed our lives um i never dreamed that this would be a path i'd be on when i go to horse shows my horse friends are like you do what and you go where uh but it has the redefined us. i mean we went from being out of shape middle-aged people to people who can actually go do stuff and we've met people like yourselves by doing so we've gotten to go all over the United States doing. So I'd like to think we've impacted some lives by showing people that you don't have to sit on the couch and you also don't have to go out and ride 300 miles in a day or 200 miles in a day. Like you can do it just being you.
2: No, I think that's so 100%. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Um, and it's been, I mean, you've brought your kids to down to Kansas before, um, we have, and you, you did the 50 this year with one of them. Is that correct? Am I remembering that? I right? did the, the kids oh, that come right. this year,
3: There, are 18 right. and 19. Um, but both boys have completed the hundred miles since Brett was 15 and Danny was 16.
2: Nice.
3: Um, so, and Brett has no GPS. So the first time we took him to Emporia without a GPS, I was like, I don't know, but follow the tire tracks. Um, <laughs> and they rode bikes of mine. I know that Brett did not shift that bike over twice the entire day, (laughs) but he finished the hundred in like eight hours and a little bit of chump change, um, just nailed it. And Danny the same way, but not very many people can get to say they spent all day at an event with their children. And so to cross the finish line with them is it's really precious and really cool. This year was equally as cool, just differently. Um, a friend of mine called me and said that she'd started a new lifestyle change. She lost some weight. She wanted to go ride her bike. Could she come to Kansas? Because she'd seen the pictures of Kansas, so to Kansas we went. Um, Brie bought a bike and rode the 25 mile with me. Um, her goals were not to walk up any hills and to finish respectively, and she did both of that. And I couldn't have been prouder of her than what I was at the finish. So it was really cool, but totally different experience.
2: It's awesome. Yeah, it yeah, was cool. I love that.
1: I love that because I think like we, we, because we do interview a lot of people that end up being at the pointy end of the the race, right? Like not yep. exclusively, but, but then people think like, oh, I can't go do events unless I'm going to race. I'm doing air quotes Correct. or I'm going to be at that pointy end, but you seem to found, have found a path where you're just like, I just love being there and being a part of the event. I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about that kind of mindset and why you why you keep giving money to do those things
3: (laughs) so brie asked me that same question on the way down there she goes so how does someone get from 25 miles to 200 miles and i said i don't think i'm sure for some people it happens overnight you know i'm sure there's ultra athletes that have had a different sport in their life and they decided this is what they want to do and they go do it but for me i went the first year and did the First year I did the hundred and I did not complete it, but I watched everyone else complete it. Like I stood at the finish line and I saw so much success and emotion in the people that did complete it. It showed me that I just didn't have it in me that day. So I have found that the back of the pack, there's some really cool stories. My adventure lies within myself. Like I have, when I go to an event, I have, this is the perfect time. Everything went exactly right that day. And I finished in this time, or this is a time that a couple things went wrong and we're still going to do it or this is the whole shit show started and now we're just going to finish time. Um, so I have goals for myself on those days, but I also know I'm not going to podium and that's cool. One of my goals is always to tell everybody something positive when I go by them, whether they're laying on the side of the road or they're passing me. Um, so I think there's a lot of ways to go and have an adventure at an event without being at the pointy end. And there's a, lot of people there that aren't going to be on the podium at the end of the day, but it still is an event for them.
2: For sure. And I think that's, I think there's, I think there's more adventure the further back you go and there's more stories and there's more camaraderie back there. Um, I think the people at the back and I've never been in the, well, I was in the front.
3: Actually, I got to the front of the 25 mile race. I was like, and I kept looking back at Brie because she had a black helmet and a black jersey. I'm like, you doing good, Brie? You doing good? And I kept talking, Brie, Brie, air quotations. And I'm like, the guy behind me goes, I don't know who Brie is, but that's not me. I'm like, I lost (laughs) (laughs) Brie. So I pulled over to the side and I got to tell everybody, congratulations, you're doing great. As they rode by, and then Brie and I finished together. But um, that was the only time I've ever been at the front of an event. I think the people in the front, they know pretty much assuming everything goes well, how they're going to finish. Like they've done that before their suitcase of ideas and solutions and mechanical fixes is in their head and they know how their day is going to unravel. The people at the back of the pack, most of them are way outside of their comfort zone and anything can happen, you know, and they plan for a 10 hour day, So they only brought nutrition for a 10 hour day and they didn't bring it for a 14 hour day. And same with hydration and There's just a lot of things that unfold that they have to learn how to muster and handle in the moment at the event. So I think watching that unfold um, is pretty cool. When I was in Emporia in 2019, there was a young lady standing on the side of the road outside of Americus. She was sunburned, (laughs) she was cheering loudly. She was so excited and my time is irrelevant other than my own personal needs. So I stopped and I'm like, hi, my name is Sam. I ride for salsa. This is my cutthroat. And Sam likes to meet little girls. Would you like to ride on Sam and her face? Like she grinned from ear to ear. So I picked her up. I sat her on the saddle and I pushed her down the road and we turned around and we came back. She was maybe four or five, sat her back down next to dad. Um, and she was grinning from ear to ear. So for me, that's something that I get to do at the back of the race, that if I was at the front, I'd never get to do. And I meet some really cool people back there. hmm yeah I think
1: it I, I love that um, quote that you said, I'm totally stealing that. my adventure lies within myself. Yeah uh, because I think that's so much of like signing up for challenges or finding a challenge is like you start to find a different part of yourself in that process yeah. and it's really it's really cool. Um, and it's not about everybody else. And I think the when it's when it starts to not
3: be fun is when it
1: becomes about everybody else.
2: <laughs> yeah.
3: Yep. And it's not a job, It just go ride your bike. And for me at the end of the day, life is really simple. Like you have to eat, drink and ride my bike. And that's all I got to do. I don't have to worry about who's taking the kid to practice. I don't have to worry about what bill isn't paid. I just eat, drink and ride my bike. And I love what I find within
2: myself on those long races. I think that that's the other thing really too, that's cool about gravel. So, you know, if you're listening to this and you are just thinking about starting something to start at a start line somewhere i mean that's the truth is like you have all of the that variety at the start line um and you even have you know watching what ali tetrick's been going through where she's now looking at just having days where she's just out there to ride her bike and have fun and be social and doesn't want to have to race everything that's it's all good you can just come ride and and enjoy the experience you know that the event directors have put the time and effort into planning a pretty cool course that lets you see some really rad things. And if all you're doing is worrying about how fast you're going, you're missing a whole chunk of the experience. Um, yeah, pick your head up off the bars and look around. And look around for sure. For yeah. Sure. And
3: I think that, you know, Christine, never once have I gotten to the finish of any race and had the event director make me feel like, man, that took you a long time. Oh, cool. No one has ever asked me walking around at the end of the event. So how long did it take you to finish today? I mean, it's just the gravel community is so cool in that all they care about is that you're out there trying. And yeah. if you don't finish, no one's like, well, you know, I mean, just go try. They, they really are. And when I've been stopped at the side of the road, very, very seldom does someone ride by that doesn't go. You okay. Do you need anything? Oh, um, they're so inclusive. Agreed.
2: Well, you've had um, an exciting year. You've been out doing some cool adventures. I was watching what you guys were doing out in um, Utah. For the you, you did some riding out there with Morgan. We did, we did. Um, we went out and volunteered
3: at Kootoot, and then we were also doing some recon. We have recently launched a bikepacking company. Nice. Um, we are women-owned, women-coached, so we are going to take our first event in October and ride from Fruita to Moab with nice. a group of ladies. Um, we still have openings, but with a group of ladies, and then we're going to explore Moab for a day. So I'm super excited. Um, we told them in the spring, what if I told you, you could do something that you can't do today, but you will be highly, it will be achievable come fall. And so they've been training, they've been watching videos. They've been talking to other ladies about how to do what they want to do. And, um, we're getting ready to gear up to go ride in October.
2: What's the name of the company? No- Nomadic Adventure Company.
3: Okay.
2: I think our I've goal is... Did
3: you- when yeah. did you launch we, that? We launched in January. Okay. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Our goal is to break down barriers for ladies entering cycling and wanting to bike pack.
2: That's awesome. And who's
3: and helping you? Oh, sorry, Catherine. Joy oh. McCullough is helping me coach the ladies. Um, she's based in California.
1: So... You, you started backpacking, well, you really started horse packing, started this journey horse packing, right? I did. Um, and then did you, um, like, was that just a natural, um, uh, like, moved into bike? Pack- like, tell us how you got into bike packing.
3: So when we horse packed, we would go up into the Bighorn Mountains, and um, into the Cloud Peak Wilderness area, which we can't do with bikes, obviously but we would go places we did not see anyone else. So when we bought the bikes for the boys, we bought them specialized fat boys at first, um, bought them fat bikes, and we would take them to places that we didn't see. And it's hard today to find somewhere that there's not another human being. For a week at a time, you have to pretty proactively try to do that. But we have done it successfully. Um, So we would go out with them and we would bike pack. And to me, it's empowering to put everything you need for four to five days on your bike and go ride, um, you know, you, you become very dependent on your bike and you become very dependent on each other and you become hyper aware of what's going on within your own group. So it's something that we have found as a family, we really love. And it gave us the ability to see things we couldn't see from the car. And I think we're a nation full of people Mm -hmm. go to Yellowstone and they roll their window down and they take a picture of Mammoth hot springs and they roll their window back up and they drive on. If you get off the trail, 500 yards, there's nobody but on the road it's packed. So we gave the kids a chance to see stuff that they would not have seen otherwise.
1: You have, um, I know you probably have many, but like a favorite family memory or something that stands out (laughs) for one of your
3: trips. Uh, we (laughs) (laughs) We packed up on bike packing. We packed up on Red Grade, which is outside of Sheridan, Wyoming in 2019 with the boys. Um, and I had told them every afternoon it storms in the mountains and the big horns, so be prepared. And they said, oh no, no, we're good mom. Well, that afternoon it hailed and it wasn't little hail, it was big hail. And it was, it was pretty gnarly for a while, but we hid under a pine tree and laid our bikes under the tree with us. And it was a big tree, <laughs> but that's where we sat for the afternoon. And we got to learn things about our kids that we would have probably not known had we not sat under the pine tree. So that'll always be a memory that is pretty cool watching the boys crash the finish line in Emporia, that's a memory that will always be equally as cool, but just very, very different.
2: Do you think they have, um, feel the same about them sitting under the pine tree? Yep, I do. <laughs> because if you ask
3: either one of them what one of their favorite bike packing memories is, and I've heard people ask them, that's one of the things that they always bring up. We sat uh-huh. under this huge tree. <laughs>
2: I love the fact that the thing that's the most, the, the adversity that you face in that is what becomes oh, there's, the, the, there's the memory-breaking no, part of it. It's a,
3: but that's probably, if you ask anyone what their favorite part of any event is, it would be the yeah. adversity.
2: Yeah. No
3: one sure. remembers the fun times.
1: <laughs> there's no story unless you have to overcome a challenge.
2: This is yes, so boring. Yeah. Yes. I, I had um, one with my kids where I, re- it was, like, I'm not proud of it. Cause it was like a bad, it was a stupid, it was a stupid mistake on my part. Like I knew better and put, put, put my kids in a really bad spot. Um, but you know, we got out of it. It was basically, we were back in the Gila sitting in these hot springs. And I looked over and I was like, I should have checked the weather, same sort of thing, like <laughs> storms coming yep. through. And we were in, you know, we were in a Canyon and I was like, Oh, this is, this is not mood. good. And, you know, kind of started getting, and Tim didn't have the experience outdoors like I did. So we ended up crossing the river to get back over to its safety. And Sydney, you know, at the time was like nine or something. And I it was scary. But we got out of that and yeah. the kids, the kids tell that story like all the time. Like yeah. and a little bit of yeah. like, my mom almost killed us with that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, they they might well tell you. Yeah, it too. no, I no. Mean, yeah.
2: yeah.
3: yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. We let them pick the camping spots and we camp with them and they always pick the spot on the very top of the plateau. I'm like, the wind is going to blow tonight. And so the one time Danny's like, oh, good boy. I'm like, stay in your tent. (laughs) Then you won't, (laughs) but yeah, but that's what makes it fun.
1: That's amazing. Do you, would you see yourself uh, with the company expanding to doing some family trips? Yes.
3: Mm. Yes. We're going to try to do one family trip a year and one partner trip a year.
1: Oh, so bring your significant the, other. I was like, like partner, like your business partner? <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, that's your partner. <laughs> um, yeah, bring your your significant other with you for one trip a year and then do a family trip. I I love kids. Um, and I love watching people find things that they don't even know exist. Like we have friends and we tell them that we go bike packing and you do something in a national forest and they go, "We can't afford to be gone for 2 weeks." But you can, because once you own the stuff, it's free to camp in the national forest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you just have to get there. You're going to eat whether you're at home or somewhere else. Yep. So that part doesn't change. So, yeah, it's much, much less expensive than going to Disneyland for a week. And,
2: way more and it's fun. a memory. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah. Way more fun. Way more fun. Um, Okay, well then, because it sounds like you've done a lot like in Wyoming and backcountry, tell tell us about bears. Have you seen bears? (laughs) I'm very interested uh, in this because
3: of this Montana trip that we've got coming up. (laughs) I have not purposely taken the children where there's bears. Um, I have camped where there's bears with my parents and we had horses. Horses do not like bears, so when the bears come to camp, they will snort and stomp my bike. He just doesn't seem to care. So, uh, we were going to go to glacier with the boys in 16 or 17. Um, and that was when the ranger was killed. Mm -hmm. I said, I just, I can't now We you won't relax. Yeah, no. And if our children were in the same tent we were in, that'd be one thing, but I can't go to bed at night knowing my kids are in a different tent and they were too old to want to sleep in the same tent with us. And so we just, didn't go where I've not been where there's bears with the kids. We have been up north in Wisconsin with bears. Um, and one night we were camping in the UP and we heard trees being pushed over and I woke Nick up. I'm like, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. And he goes, it's just a bear. Go back to sleep. I'm like, Ugh. so the next morning we got up and Danny's eyes are huge. He goes, mom, there was a bear. And sure enough, there was a bear that was pushing stuff over. Um, but he didn't bother us or our stuff. <laughs> and so
2: like, yeah, I'm I'm trying not to be freaked out, but yeah, but that's a reality. I'm a little freaked out. So, <laughs> so big girl pants. We were,
1: we were hiking yeah. up in Rainier over the weekend and somebody came by with a bear bell and I was like, are there bears here? Anyway, I don't think yeah. there are bears. Oh well, yeah, there are. Actually at the campground, they had a bear thing
3: up. Anyway. We we were bear, bear bells when we were somewhere. Oh, in Yellowstone. Um we camped with the boys, with Brett, we went to Yellowstone in 2020, we camped with Brett, but we stayed in a forest service cabin and it had the highest per capita of grizzly in the lower 48. Uh, we did not see any bear, but we wore bear bells everywhere we went. My theory is if the bear can't hear me before he hears that bell, like, I'm way closer than I want to be to the bear. Yeah. But we talked when we walked and rode and were pretty vocal. Um, but so I guess we have been, we just did not stay in a tent yeah, you were in a, a, yeah. in a
2: structure versus a tent. Yeah.
3: Yes.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've definitely been out on trail runs like in North Carolina. I was on a trail run a few years ago and like turned the corner and the bear was standing in the path. And I was like, well, hey. And he was like, well, hey. <laughs> and yeah. he ran off and I ran off. Um, and then I, I worked at a camp in Colorado one summer and it got to the point they're like, You're gonna see bears, but it would you'd just be sitting on your porch at night and they would just be like, and there goes one and there goes another one.
3: Wow.
1: Um, but not grizzlies are a whole different well, yeah, I they're like.
3: <laughs> Yeah. I've seen black bear on the bike, but I've not seen a Grizz. And I, I'm good with that. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. I'm well, um,
3: here.
0: <laughs> in you Kansas, don't have
2: <laughs> we don't really have to worry about. We we do have some mountain lions, but um on my ride Sunday I saw a bobcat and a red bird and a blue bird. I was like, that's that's perfect. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's funny, yeah. The the nature. Um, <laughs> I miss my goats in Georgia.
3: That's what I would see. Goats. <laughs> we could go feed them. I like seeing. I like seeing elk. We saw elk with the kids one summer, um, and they were going to chase them on their bikes. I'm like, <laughs> have fun, good luck. They came back. Oh, they're so fast. I said, if we just stay at the cabin, they will come down to the stream and drink. And they did. And then we belly crawled out to see them. Um, And they stayed out there and ate and drank in the meadow, truly wild elk. We could watch them, but yeah, big cats and bears. I'm, I'm out. Yeah.
2: So how many women do you have doing this, uh, doing your camp?
3: We have three. Um, yeah, which is a perfect number for our first adventure, I think. And they're all very, this is a new thing to them, mm-hmm. which I'm excited about because we get to welcome them into the sport. Um, they're doing great. They're riding their bikes. Our rides are going to be about 50 miles a day as we move from Fruta to Moab. So it's very ridable gravel. Um, but we also offer something called, I just want to ride my bike where you can just bring your bike and ride. You don't have to go through the training process if you don't want. So we do have open registration for that and we'll take up to 10 if people want to join us for that reason.
2: Awesome. And we can I thought you were going to say
1: that. you're going to bring all yeah. my camping stuff so <laughs> and a camper
3: for me <laughs>
1: I was like oh wait no I'll sign
3: up for that <laughs> <laughs> no clamping just camping <laughs> we are going to bring one night though <laughs>
1: um and then your next big adventure is
3: Rebecca's private Idaho
1: is that the next it is event you're going to be at have you done that event before
3: I have not. I am super stoked to go. Um, I'm a horse show photographer in the real world. So we have had horse shows almost all of July and I'm home for 10 days. And I go back for another two weeks in August to Tulsa, um, with 18 and 19 hour days. So I'm going to come off of that a little tired. Um, I'm a little nervous about that. I won't have spent much time on the bike by the time I get to catch them, but I'm going to go ride my bike. I'm going to have fun and, um, watch the day unfold. I. Can't wait to go to somewhere I've never been and explore. Then we're spending two months in the West. Uh, we just bought a new camper, so we're going to spend two months in the West and roam around. Um, the Red Dirt Fest is on our calendar. Nice. Uh, yep. So we're excited. I'm going to go on a bike packing adventure called a Ramble Ride with Peter Drisco, and then we have our own bike packing adventure.
2: That's awesome, Crystal. That's going to be so fun. Yeah. It'll be fun to I watch it so. all unfold. Yes, so. we're we're pumped. Um, where can people find you?
3: My Instagram handle is my name. Um, I do have an athlete page on Facebook also same crystal Kovacs. And then our website for the nomadic adventure is nomadicadventureco.com.
1: Awesome. Well, everybody go check those out. If you're interested in getting into bike packing and training, this sounds like a great way to do it. And uh, Crystal, we can't wait to see you at one of the events in the near yeah. future. Thanks. I'm looking forward to seeing you guys also. Christy, do you know one thing that I'm really sick of? What is that? All the freaking trends in, that are coming out in wellness. Like, this, uh, avoid that.
0: I don't even yeah. know where to start. Uh, yeah,
2: I don't know where to start. I don't know who to trust.
1: Yeah, but we have a new sponsor that I'm pretty excited about. Have you, have
2: you yes. done yourself Yeah, I'm so stoked.
1: Yeah, so Inside Tracker is our new sponsor, and they're gonna cut through all the noise, and they're gonna analyze our blood, DNA, lifestyle, and fitness trackers, and then we get personalized, science-backed trackable action plans for how we should eat,
2: age, we need that, and perform better. I know. I'm excited. It's the cool thing about it is it's it's cheaper and it's way more convenient than the traditional blood tests um they include biomarkers that are key to performance so so information that we're not getting from traditional blood tests um and i think my favorite part is that they're not just going to give us the data but they're providing us with nutrition and lifestyle tips to help us take action and cut through the noise yes i love
1: that because i feel like whenever i go to the doctor and i get blood tests i have no idea what to do with them right exactly and i don't they don't apply to like whatever i'm doing Um, And the good news is because they are a sponsor of the podcast, all of you all get 25% off their entire store. You just go to insidetracker.com slash girls gone gravel. Change is an
2: inside job. Start on the inside.
1: You have been listening to the girls gone gravel podcast.